stuff. Welcome to episode number 24 of Good Stuff Sports. I am your host, Mike Mason. This is the show where we get to know those in and around the sports that we love. And on today's show, I talk to the glass ceiling smashing, barrier crushing, glass kicking Dr. Jen Welter about her experiences in football. This is an incredible one. If you are looking for role models for anyone in your life, daughters, sons, anyone, Dr. Jen is your person. She has done amazing work. We talked about the importance of her education and how it has helped her to be a great coach. And we talked about her experience playing. I am so thankful to Dr. Jen for taking the time to talk to me. And I'm thankful for all of you who are listening to this. I think you're going to love hearing from Dr. Jen Welter. Happy Thanksgiving. Talk to you at the end of the show. It's a awesome opportunity to welcome Dr. Jen Welter to the Good Stuff Kids and Good Stuff Sports podcasts. Dr. Jen, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. And you? I am doing well, thank you. So are you also in Texas? I'm in Houston right now. Are you a fellow Texan? You know, I lived in Dallas, Texas for, gosh, about uh, 13, 14 years. Um, And I lived there right up until I left to go to Arizona for the Cardinals. Um, I still spend a lot of time there. Obviously, I played most of my football career there. Um, most of my belongings are still kind of in a storage locker in Dallas and, and friends being there. So I'm I'm in and out, but I'm on the road most of the time. On the road most of the time. Okay, so we should say, for those that don't know you and know anything about your story, I mean, that's why we're we're doing this. But you are um, you have like smashed the glass. I guess the glass sideline is a way that we could we could think about this and talk about it. And you have grown up around the sport of football um, and have done things that have broken barriers in incredible and amazing ways. And we're going to sort of touch on a lot of that. I'm curious, like, because there are kids that are going to listen to this. How did you discover that that football was the sport for you? Well, you know, to all the kids out there, the first thing I want to tell you guys is, that I loved football, but I didn't actually get to play really until after college. Um, There were no opportunities for girls to play football when I was growing up. So it was kind of something that I really loved. Um, I watched all the guys play in high school and I thought they looked like real life superheroes and I wanted to be able to play. Um, But it was also the first place in the world that kind of told me there was something different between what girls could do and what boys could do. And so it was something I loved, but, you know, it wasn't for me. So I played a lot of other sports. Uh, my first real sport that I played on a competitive level was tennis. Um, and I played all around the state of Florida, which is one of the most competitive tennis states. Probably my highest ranking was about 50. And I was looking to take my game to the next level and I had a tennis coach who told me because of my size and my build I would never be strong enough to play pro tennis and so if you're listening I want you to remember that maybe he was right Um, I'd never be strong enough to play pro tennis Um, I played for pro football instead and (laughs) I tell you all that I mean it's true though because I tell you that in that you know, as kids, you're going to hear from a lot of people on 
what you can't do or um, things that are not for you. And, you know, of those will be good advice. But for the most part, you know, the one thing that can never be quantified and should never be counted out is your heart. And, you know, I'm still too small um, for everything I've ever done. Uh, For those of you who don't know and you're listening, let me give hope to all the um, all the vertically challenged kids out there (laughs) because, you know, I am I am at my top height right now of five foot two. I have not shrunk since I played football. Um, but it actually ended up being one of the things that I was really good at was, um, leverage and speed. And I finally, when I got really good to use what made me different on the football field as what made me special. And it, I went on to become one of the best in the game, Um, but it doesn't happen when you, you, you play by somebody else's standards all the time. Right. Right. And I think that it's, it's interesting to hear that, you know, motivation comes from lots of different places and sometimes motivation if you are strong of character and you are told you can't do something it can push you to excel at something completely different that is like you know if you were told you're not big enough to play tennis and then all of a sudden you're like oh i'm not big enough to play tennis well i'm going to play this you know full-on contact sport of football i'll show you who's big enough um it's it's kind of an amazing uh i guess 180 in some ways to go from an individual sport as well to like oh, what a lot of people say is the quintessential team sport um so that's well, and that's you know that's probably what what the biggest takeaway from that is is you know on an individual sport you you have to have all the answers in and of it yourself um you are on an island it's it's you versus the world and on a team sport um being different especially in football is an asset you know you need everything from straight muscle to straight hustle and a whole lot crazy working (laughs) together with a unified purpose to make anyone play work and so you know the there are big differences in being a team player and really sometimes that's where you find it um I didn't know I would go right from tennis to football. In fact, I didn't. There were a lot of sports in between. But what I did promise myself at that young age was that no one would ever tell me I was not strong enough again. And so I was in the weight room um, before a lot of a lot of girls were. You know, it was not really in vogue back then for girls to lift weights and. Um, and I started at a young age um, and have obviously kept it through my entire career. Mm-hmm. So so when you decided to um, and I and the word decided is may or may not actually be the right word. But when you uh, figured out that you could get on the football field, like how did that what, what was the opportunity? Maybe that's the way to phrase it. Like what was the opportunity that presented itself for for you to put on helmet and pads and, and try it out? So I played rugby at Boston College for all four years, Um, actually got recruited to the under 23 national team um, as a prop. But um, yet again, my size was um, a barrier, although I did really well at the tryout. At the end of the tryout, the coach told me um, that at this level, um, I was just far too small. She could teach other people to do what I did, but she couldn't double my size. And, you know, as a prop, I really was about half the size of the girls I was going up against. Um, 
I just happened to be great at leverage and have really strong legs. Mm -hmm. So, um, that was really devastating to me. Um, it was like getting so close to this dream and then not making it. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, I thought this was at the time when I had to put my dream aside of being one of the best athletes in the world and, you know, grow up and get a real job. And, um, I took a job as a headhunter. Finally, funny enough, I, you know, went on to play linebacker, not that different. Um, but, you know, um, I, I remember talking to my mom and here I was, you know, working in, in downtown Boston. I had the corporate job and the, the great apartment, you know, blocks away from Fenway. I was teaching aerobics before and after work and I was playing flag football on weekends. And I told my mom, um, that there just had to be something more for me. Um, cause this, this wasn't what I was meant to do with the rest of my life. I felt like I was dying a little bit each day. And, um, from playing in the flag football league, interestingly enough, uh, the general manager of a team called the mass mutiny, uh, called and asked if they had anybody playing flag who they thought they tackle. Well, going back to my rugby background, um, I, I never really needed pads and a helmet to tackle. So um, <laughs> full disclosure, um, I kind of forgot that point often in flag. Um, and I, I think the league was probably, you know, really excited to get rid of me. They were like, yes, we have one for you. Uh, please take her. Was it um, a, was that a mixed gender league or was that um, women no, only? No, that was, no, that was women's, uh-huh. women's football. Okay. Um, and so I ended up going to the open tryout and making the team that day. Uh-huh. And I remember just deciding that this was what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. Uh-huh. And that I would, you know, I made a, a promise to myself that I would step up to every challenge that the game put in my way. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, I had no idea what I was getting myself into at that <laughs> point. But... Um, you know, that, that is still what drives me to this day. Yeah. I mean, the, the motivation and, and, and the idea, you know, as a lifelong sports fan, you know, hearing coaches and, and like coach speak, it's, it's interesting to hear what you're saying on this level and like how, you know, the, the, you've used the words like leverage. Um, and, and I think that you're, you leverage all this experience and you're probably, uh, I can imagine. I mean, I'm fired up <laughs> just listening to you. So I imagine <laughs> that like your 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 experiences has got to resonate so truly and real with um, the people that you're coaching. We're, we'll get to that I, I, in, in just a second. Um, so so you start you were a running back, right? When you when you started and the whole. No. Oh, you so, weren't. Oh, OK. Nope. So. Sorry. I played um, in the women's league predominantly. I mean, I played running back some, um, mostly as a blocker, but um, my predominant position for women's football was linebacker. Okay. Um, mostly an outside linebacker, depending on what defensive front we were running. Could have been a speed rush, uh, defensive end. Uh, there was a little bit of safety in there, but they realized I went forward much better than backwards. Uh-huh. Um, so... Uh, but predominantly defense. I was one of, you know, I was known for being very fast off the ball, very good at angles, um, mm-hmm. pursuit angles, and a sure tackler. Um, so I, I, I lovingly say 
I make quarterbacks' lives difficult every chance I got. Well, that's the that's what you do as a linebacker. So I have a question about instincts at, at the linebacker position. How much of what you brought to the field as a linebacker was based on like just pure instinct and having just like an innate understanding of what you were doing at your position and how much of that was, was, was coaching. I mean, there's a combination. I think rather than saying, um, you know, instinct, I think you want to say football IQ and the ability to read keys, you know, instinct might manifest itself more into your first step or the pursuit angle that you take or something along those lines. But in terms of, you know, reading your keys and, and knowing, um, you know, what plays they like to run and what that looks like, that's the development of, of football IQ. And football IQ, we often say, is a combination of coaching and experience so that when get into the moment your reaction time is faster okay interesting thank you um i I ask because i i coach my son's flag football team and i feel like he has these instincts that are just like really and kids and i see it in all different kids like they just are naturally able to do certain things like really well without me having to tell them that. So I was just curious about, you know, from a real life coach, (laughs) like if that, if that's a thing and it sounds like there's aspects to that. Okay. So absolutely, you know, reading somebody's body language or, um, muscle movement, right. It comes from exposure Mm -hmm. and even matchups. So, you know, you're getting used to seeing maybe the routes that somebody runs, right. There's not, there's not, an unlimited amount of routes that they run, there's, there's a route tree, right? And so your positioning relative to what their options are and maybe the ability to read the quarterback, those things, those things come into play and certain people are able to transition, say from, you know, right to left or forward to back or break on the ball quicker than others, Mm -hmm. right? That might be a fast switch muscle or reaction speed. But also there is a combination um, between that and, you know, especially when you look at like reading the offensive line, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's a little different than, you know, flag football, but reading the offensive line and, and you know, knowing that a pulling guard is probably not pulling because the ball's going the other way, right? They're probably taking you to where the ball is. And so being a linebacker, um, you know, knowing that, you might have to play the flow away or the cutback coming back to you. Those are things that you are coached on. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and knowing to how to play that because for your team to work together, you can't just freestyle. And that's one of the biggest things you might know that it's going here, but you have a gap responsibility, right? And you have a run to and a run away gap responsibility. So you have to know that here are the plays that, they pull the guard here and they run with the guard and you're responsible for being disciplined and maintaining the cutback, even though it may be against your quote unquote instincts to stay home. Uh-huh. Because if you just bite on it, then your team's left in a bad position because then a gap's not covered. Right. right? So there is a combination between, you know, knowing those keys and reading them and reacting, but also 
knowing what your job is within the scheme of a team and being disciplined enough to to play there, even though that may mean that you don't make the play. Got it. Interesting. So it's it's not always about making the play. It's about being no. in the right situation to help someone else make the play. Right. That's teamwork. I think that's the definition. (laughs) Right. Football only where they could on any defensive scheme. I don't care if you're running, you know, a five, two, four or a three, four or, you know, whatever your fronts and backers are. The goal is like, especially with respect to the run game, is that you have every gap covered. Mm -hmm. Right. There's nowhere that that a running back could, quote unquote, run um, with there not being a defender to cover it, right? right? And it could be a safeties coming out or whatever it is. But if you are, um, we lovingly say that offenses are playing a lot of their games to try and, you know, get the linebackers to bite on the cheese, right? So <laughs> getting them to to use their aggression against them, right? If you have, say, a reverse and everybody flows to the initial run, then that reverse is probably going to hit home. So you may see a toss sweep to one side and you see that the linebacker overplays and he doesn't stay to his gap. Well, that box is going to call down on the next play and say, Hey, try, try a reverse because your, your backside contain is too aggressive and they'll have no force player. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It, it so much, I mean, pe- people like me who, who watch a lot of football and, you know, are, are sort of, you know, peripherally involved. And by that, I mean, like have a team that I love and I follow and I watch a lot of football with my son and I coach flag football. I don't think we truly like the lay person, right? Um, people who are not you know, professionally involved in the game have any kind of understanding of the amount that that goes into it, you know, and I think it's so fascinating to hear it. And it's so fascinating to think about the level at which, you know, so you were in Arizona, right? So there's like mm-hmm. Teron Matthew was there and Patrick Peterson was there and um, uh, Chandler, um, the, uh, the the former Patriot, right? The incredible like defensive Chandler end. Chandler wasn't there yet. He wasn't Chandler there Chandler wasn't there yet. Uh-uh. I know him and I love him actually. Uh-huh. He's phenomenal, but he was not there yet. Okay. Um, but you're naming all the LS you boys so don't right. like Kevin Minter. So you had three <laughs> right. beastly defenders all right. straight out of the LSU tree. And, you know, they just, LSU does such a great job training guys on defense um, with the aggression, the the downhill mentality, and just um, the absolute weaponry. I mean, you know, Ty Matthew is, in my opinion, he is an X-factor player. He might be, what? what is he, 5'10"? Yeah, and maybe. And on that field, he plays, you know, 10 feet tall because, yeah. um, you know, he is that guy who can come down and sack a quarterback on one play, make an interception on the next. Like, And everybody around him plays better um, because of him. Because of him, right. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting. But it, it just got me thinking, like, how good these guys must be. And for them to get, you know, to see it, you know, on the level of the field to see what they do and to have the insight and ability to sort of lead them in a new direction to sort of uncover more of their potential has got to be the, the like the goal. I don't know. I don't know what I'm how to actually say what I'm trying to say, but it's got to be like the most incredible feeling when you have. And, and I think that this probably happens with coaching youth and coaching college and coaching professional. But when you are able to 
reach someone to help them get to their potential. It's got to be the most rewarding thing, which kind of points me to to the next uh, sort of the next level of questioning or just of your story is that um, you're not just a, a football coach and you're not just a you know world class athlete, but you're also like really, really, really well educated. You know, you have a master's <laughs> in sports psychology and uh, and a doctorate in psychology. And I guess without getting too deep into that, um, how much has that impacted the way that you coach and the way that you interact with players? And and I guess we'll sort of get to this idea of that you're working with youth a lot these days. So how does it impact your work with with youth? Um, you know, I, I think my doctorate and master's were obviously two of the smartest decisions I made and, and toughest because I was playing at the time. But it's funny when I was playing and I was learning these things, I'd like try them out and I'd be like, Oh, I wonder if that works. Right. Like, um, Oh, I'm going to see if that works in the <laughs> game. And and so I kind of became a, a product of my own mind as a player, um, uh-huh. which was one of the best things you could say is like, you know, this works for me, right? Like I, I did this built it into my own game or here are some, some techniques that we can try. Um, but, in my master's and doctorate, I, there were a couple of areas that I really focused in on. Um, one being, you know, um, child athletes um, and and the specific challenges and um, things that they face. Another being athletes and injury and then coach-athlete relationships. Um, so all of them play and figure into who I am and how I coach on every level now. Um, I think one of the first things that you have to realize is that you're not just coaching a robot. These are real people and they have, you know, different styles that are going to reach them. They have different challenges that they've gone through, um, who you are to them and where you can make an impact as a coach is, is really important to find. And sometimes um, to get there, it really is about developing that trust first. Um, and not thinking that you have all the answers. Um, I always say I'm a coach, but I'm coachable. And if I'm, if I'm going to coach you, I have to know where you are first. Um, it's, if I come in and just assume that I have all the answers, then I'm really throwing darts on the board. You know, Mm -hmm. um, obviously you can watch film and see certain things, but there's, there's a whole lot of person that goes into each one of those. And, um, I think from a credibility standpoint, that goes a long way. Um, I'm also somebody who really likes one-on-one conversations to get to know players and to even communicate um, with them on things that they might be able to do. I think that that was something um, that was a little bit different um, just in terms of style because I, you know, I was aware that I, I didn't want to like, necessarily be the one who was yelling at these guys when every camera in the world was watching us as the first female coach in the NFL. Um, <laughs> you know, especially when I first got there and I didn't know about them, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Like football is a loud sport. It happens all the time, right? We yell yep. um, just because it, you know, not even like when you think of yelling at somebody, but like yelling because it's like 11 people and there's whistles and then pads popping and it's loud. Right. Right. Um, but I never wanted anything to be misconstrued 
because the narrative that could have impacted one of those players could be detrimental to them. Um, you know, if one of those guys yelled back at me and, and somehow it came off wrong, the the narrative could have been just, you know, terrible and it it, it right. would have taken on a life on its own or potentially it could have. So, you know, I think having the forethought to think about things like that also um, came as a part of my training. And so I would just kind of make sure that it was one-on-one, like, hey, next time try this, or, you know, what do you think about this, or as opposed to, you know, from a distance yelling. And then what happens is you develop trust, and um, it was a choice to listen. And I think that that was part of why we were really successful. But I always think that, you know, good coaching is really about getting to the heart of who somebody is and then making sure they know who you are and like what your motivations are. You know, I, I am, I, I expect people to try hard. That's what I had for me, right? Like as an athlete, you know, I was undersized. I was never going to outbig anybody. I had to be good at technique and I couldn't really go less than a hundred because I would get killed. And so the expectations that I have, um, are not about perfection, but it's about, you know, working to get better and, and working hard. Um, and so those are the things that you'll see me impress time and time again. And I will, you know, even at my girls camps, especially when I'm talking to them, I'm like, listen, if you're going to step into a world that they don't expect you to be good at, and they don't owe you a spot, like you have to let your game speak for you. You have to let your actions speak louder than your gender can because the expectation is not going to be for you to be great. The expectation is going to be, oh, look, she's a girl and she's playing at football, right? Like, I want them to see you as a player, regardless Mm -hmm. of your gender. And so I always make it a point to tell them, like, was I tough on you to girls that I know I was? They're like, yes. And I'm like, do you know why? No, coach. Like, Because you have potential. And I'm doing you no favors to let you just slack off right right? or or let you um not do the work because the work is what will get you what you want and the greatest gift a coach can give anybody is to make them better i don't profess to have all the answers but like i will tell anybody i will dig in um and do my best to to learn learn with you learn from you and to see what we need to do to get better and you know that's that's kind of in everything, right? Like yeah. I, I want to be surrounded by people who are better than me, who can teach me and push me. And then I can take that um, into the situations that I'm dealing with, whether it's football or just in life in general. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you brought up the the camps that you're running. Um, t- tell me, tell me and, and the listeners a little bit about what, what those are like and, and who is invited to those and what can be expected. Yeah, so um, I one of the things I noticed when I got out of the NFL was that, you know, here I was coaching at, at football camps all around the country that my players were hosting, and that though though some of them were co-ed, um, none of them were specifically for girls. And as a girl, if, if they were, you know, not super bold, it looked like a place that they may not be invited to. Um, I remember the most that I saw was at one camp. And I think 
it was a camp of 200 and they had four girls and they were so proud that they had four girls. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, that's 2%, right? It's not really co-ed. But what I found is that because a lot of the girls had not had the same level of exposure to the boys, that if it was a harder jump because, you know, they'd never been specifically taught maybe how to catch a football or how to throw one. And so if you get into that situation and it's already skipped a couple steps, then the girls are at a disadvantage. So, you know, somebody might say, oh, well, you catch like a girl or you throw like a girl. No, I don't. There's no gender attached to that. Either you catch a football the right way or you don't. Either you throw it the right way or you don't. So either you taught or you haven't. And yet the assumption would be like, oh, she's a girl. She can't catch. So one of the things I wanted to do was to set up a place where the girls could learn the fundamentals with no judgment and see if it might be something for them. If they were already playing, we can make them better. But you know what? If they'd never ever even played football before, perfect. We're going to teach you the fundamentals and it's a flag structure. Um, so though I love tackling and not teaching them <laughs> to tackle. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, flag is a great way for them to get the basics anyway. And, mm-hmm. you know, we make sure that they have all of the fundamental skills or exposure to them, you know, to learn how to throw a ball, to learn how to catch, to learn how to take a handoff, to snap the football, um, to pull flags, pursued angles, those kinds of things. So that if they want to step up into another situation, they feel confident that they have a foundation. Mm-hmm. It's not square one. And... So we've now done um, over 30 across the country in just over two years. I think it's been like 25 months or so. Um, And, you know, our our next camp is actually it's L.A. on depending on what date this airs, you may be before or after it. But it's on the 23rd of November and that will run will round out. as for right now, our 2019 schedule, and then we'll look into 2020. Um, but it's just, it's been so special because um, this is the first really of its kind, really doing something specifically for the girls in football on a national scale mm-hmm. um, and going from market to market. And for me, that was really important because I didn't have somebody I could look at and say, I want to be like her. And I want all of those girls who come to the camp to know um, that there's no game they cannot play and no field they do not belong in or on. And that this is about confidence and taking a game that has traditionally been called the final frontier for women in sports and showing them that like, it, it doesn't have to be off limits because right. knowing it was the final frontier for me was always motivation because if I could change football, then I really believe that I could change the world, right? Absolutely. If we can win at football, then isn't there, you know, nothing we can't do. Yeah, I would say that um, you have crushed the final frontier. And and I think that the, the way in which you, uh, in addition to the coaching, in addition to the camps, um, the other thing that I just have to bring up because my son uh, brought it to my attention was that, you're the first female coach in the Madden football franchise in the video games <laughs> like that. I said, Hey, 
his name's Zachy. I said, Zachy, you know who I'm talking to today? And I said, I'm talking to to Coach Jem Welters. That does that mean anything to you? And he's like, and this is actually interesting. Maybe like th- there's something to this. He said, like really matter of factly, like not a big deal. Like, oh yeah, she's a Madden. So maybe that's like, <laughs> like uh, I don't know what to make of that, right? Like we can we can we can look into that in in, in any in any way. But it it is truly showing that. Um, you know, looking at at sort of your slogan, you have kicked tons of glass. So um, it, I also want to point out before I, before I let you go, because I feel like I could do this all day. But you um, you have a book that you wrote called Play Big Lessons in Being Limitless from the First Woman to Coach in the NFL. Um, and I I have not read it, I'll be honest, but I've done a lot of research and I and just hearing you talk now, I think there's a ton of lessons that are in there. And I also um I want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about the following slogan. Ready? She's got her yeah. hands in the turf and her nails are on point. <laughs> uh yes. So that's actually um my nail polish that is out right now. Um it just came out in September. Um, and it's a collaboration with Orly um, around the phrase kick glass. So it is a shattered glass top coat that you can put on top of any color. Um, and, you know, doing something in the beauty industry was important to me because I think there are so many perceptions that, um, that young girls are faced with when it comes to sports, right? And, the, and I know I struggled with it some as like, you know, can you be pretty and an athlete and smart or is it, is it a choice, right? Guys are always encouraged to be like a Renaissance man. Mm -hmm. And yet girls are not seen the same way. It's like, it's very categorical a lot of the times and um, having the opportunity to challenge that, um, you know, through a nail polish was, was something which, all of my guys always noticed. They'd always notice my nails. It was like, look good, play good. Uh-huh. You know, so that is that is a thing, you guys. Um, and they would always notice. And so when this opportunity came about, I, I just loved it because, you know, even throughout my career, I was told many times I didn't look like a football player or, you know, look like a coach or I would, you know, show up to a fashion show that I was asked to walk in and essentially like, you know, all of the other women asked to walk would be given dresses. And I was given like pants and a button down shirt. Uh-huh. Um, and I'd have to kind of say like, what is this? Like, I don't, I, I'm not wearing that. Right. You know, I don't, it's not me. And they would say, Oh, well, you're a coach. We wanted you to be comfortable. And I'm like, no, I'm not comfortable in that. Like, can I have a dress please? Nice. And, you know, whereas I'm not like, you know, I love my sweatpants. Don't get me wrong. And most <laughs> days I am in athletic clothes. I mean, and you'll see me in the three stripes gear because I am sponsored by Adidas. So yeah. they make sure my sneakers are on point at all times. <laughs> and, um, you know, yes, I wear them a lot, but there's a difference between, you know, what I'm working out in and, and what I you know wear on a day-to-day basis than what I would wear to, um, an event. And I, I think it's important to make sure that we're not reinforcing stereotypes. And so kick glass is, it's a mentality, right? Like that you can, you can do work and feel good about yourself at the same time. You know, it's not like, you know, just because you're playing in a man's world that you're trying to be a man. I, I don't subscribe to that. I think 
you know, you you go into every situation what with what you've got, not someone else's standards of beauty or um or or tradition, but to really bring yourself into it, the equation is when diversity becomes a strength. And so um I I have fun with the the campaign slogans and stuff that we use around kick glass. Um I, they come directly from my brain usually when I'm aggravated about something. <laughs> Oh wow! Um, so I mean, so you get me fired up, and 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 the um, the Dr. Jen comes full force. Yeah, you know, that's amazing. It's really, really creative in messaging. Yeah, we got to get Dr. Jen fired up all the time because you're doing amazing <laughs> things. Um, well, Dr. Jen, this has been so amazing on so many levels, um, and I can't thank you enough for. Uh, we went a little bit longer than I told you we would, but I, I want to thank you for for uh, being so open and and talking me through so much of the amazing, groundbreaking, glass shattering kick glass work that you've done as the father of two girls. In addition to my son, who I kept talking about, I cannot thank you enough for trying to level the playing field. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. And for everybody listening, my website is jenwelter.com. Um, it's at jwelter47 on Twitter, welter47 on Instagram. And I believe it's Dr. Jen Welter on LinkedIn and Facebook. But, you know, one of the things that's important is if you want the messages to change, if you want the games to change, we need support in those areas because a lot of the times the pushback that we that I get um, directly and even trying to move the chains for like girls in football is, well, we don't even know, do the girls really want to play? Or, you know, is there any support for that? You know, will, will people be open to it? And so I encourage you not just in those areas, but in, in the ones that you have, follow the people who are doing things that you support and be vocal in your support of them. Um, because at the end of the day, the people who are making these decisions are business people, and we've got to make the dollars make sense. So you have the power as the purchaser to put those dollars where you want them to be and be vocal about it. That's the beauty of social media today. Amazing. So follow Dr. Jen and keep up with everything that you've got going on. This is great. Um, so that was really, really awesome. I can't thank you enough. I hope... Uh, I hope I didn't take too much of your time. Um, no, you're fine. I appreciate your support. Again, yeah. the the things that we're doing, um, you know, have to be brought to the light, right? There's only yep. so much good you can do in the dark, and yeah, um, you never know who, um, who will listen that will change things. So yeah. I hope it it gave anybody listening today a little bit of um, a little bit of kick glass to bring into their own life. Yeah, fired up. Um, I'm gonna put this out on Monday, just and I'll tag you on all the social media. And I think that um, I'm I'm pumped to be on on Dr. Jen's team. <laughs> there you go. I appreciate it. <laughs> all right, totally. Happy Thanksgiving, and thank you so much again. Now that's inspiration, folks. Get out there, follow your dreams, do what you do. Don't give up. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. That's the message. Thank you to Dr. Jen for making the time to be with me and to spend time talking about football and life and just about everything, I think. We covered a lot of ground there. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. I hope you enjoy. Spend great time with your family and friends. Get out there. Get some fresh air. Have fun. Happy Thanksgiving. 
good stuff.